the Monkey Mind Podcast, your number one platform for athletes and mental health. Hosted by Danny Perez and Anthony Florentino. This is episode 54 featuring Jeff Lavecchio. Jeff is a retired pro hockey player, owner of Ripped Hockey, and co-host of the Hockey Think Tank podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Daily Dose CBD Inc. Daily Dose CBD Inc. creates full-spectrum CBD products ranging from tinctures, bombs, and dog treats. Research has shown that CBD has successful results in aiding in the following areas. Anti-inflammation, anxiety, PTSD, help with breaking addiction, neuroprotection, epilepsy, arthritis, chronic pain, and sleeping disorders. Daily Dose makes an extremely safe and effective product that we know you will love, enjoy, and benefit from. Daily Dose has given Monkey Mind listeners 15% off all their orders. Head over to DailyDoseCBDInc.com and use promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off your purchases. That's promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off all your orders at DailyDoseCBDInc.com. All right. Uh, yeah, my name is Jeff Lavecchio. Uh, played professional hockey for 10 years. Um, I played junior hockey in the USHL for three years uh, for the Omaha Lancers. Then I went to Western Michigan University. Uh, for three years after my junior year, I signed with the Boston Bruins out of college. I left school early. Um, I went to school for exercise science while I was there. Uh, the only reason I was able to play there was strictly because I was super into, you know, finding any way I could make myself a better hockey player, better athlete. Uh, I, I tried to find any possible way I could to get better. Unfortunately, I had some really bad concussion problems in the beginning of my career. I missed my whole first year pro um, but luckily kind of got that sorted out after about a year, year and a half. And I got to play nine more years professionally after that, um, three in the U S and then six, uh, all over the world. I played in uh, Norway, Italy, Austria, and Japan over those six years. And, uh, I started my off ice training company after my third year pro when all the concussions kind of accumulated and I was like, okay, I'm not going to play in the NHL. Um, I wanted to start giving back to kids in my hometown and just have something to do in the summer since you pretty much just only train in the mornings as a pro athlete. And, uh, what started out with two clients, my first summer, I think by my fifth summer, I was working with over a hundred guys just in the three months I was home in the off season. And, uh, when I retired after my 10th year, um, had a pretty good business, uh, built up and now that's my full-time job, uh, training NHL players down to, I stop at like 16, 17 year olds. Nice. That's awesome. Um, how many concussions did you sustain in your, in the uh, early part of your career? Um, in pro, I had three where I missed significant time. One, I missed uh, a full season. I missed mm. about like a year and a half probably. Um, and my first year pro, I came back, I was doing really well. And then I took a slap shot in the face. I think I missed two months with that one. And then two years later, I took an elbow to the back of the head and I think I was out for, two or three months with that one. I can't remember. Mm. I had a couple before that. I had a bunch after that. Um, unfortunately I had, I had too many. Yeah. Did you find, so obviously there's a podcast about athletes and mental health. Did you find that, um, you know, kind of what was your story and your experience with, you know, mental health and um, did you feel the concussions played a huge role in that or, you know, you know, a pretty significant factor? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's tough. Like a lot of people, 
get depression with their concussion, their concussions, especially bad ones, and they have all these other side effects. It's I was obviously depressed. I mean, I, I thought that, you know, I worked my whole life. I sacrificed a lot in my life to get to juniors and then even more to get to college and then even more to sign my first NHL deal. And right after I sign it, I go to the AHL. I play really well to finish out that year. And in the summer, I get a bad concussion and it just keeps lingering and lingering and lingering. And I'm like, am I ever going to play again? Like I couldn't even ride the bike for three minutes without getting dizzy for like probably it wasn't until after Christmas. I think it happened in June. So it was probably July, August, September, October, November, December, probably six months. I couldn't do anything physically active and I am extremely into training. I'm extremely into working out, eating healthy, sleeping, all these things. And I couldn't do them. I couldn't even go to the grocery store for more than four minutes. I had to like time it on my watch because I would get so discombobulated and so dizzy and so sick to my stomach that I had to literally get in and out of the grocery store up until probably that, you know, that six or seventh month period. Um, it, it, it was really hard. I, 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 anyone would be sad and down when they think all the dreams are going to come true. And then it's like the rug gets ripped out from under them, you know? So I don't know if it was, I was, you know, down and sad and depressed because of the terrible situation I was in, or if the chemicals in my brain were imbalanced, like I don't really know. Um, but I definitely went through like, you know, hard times, depression. I had dreams almost every single night that my teeth were falling out. I'd wake up pool of sweat. Some nights I wouldn't even sleep in my bed because I just didn't want to fall asleep because I knew I was going to have that dream and wake up with my hands in my mouth and my teeth. It literally was the most real dream I've ever had. Um, you know, I, it, it was very hard. I can't say that it was easy. Did you? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty absurd. Like the dreams like that, that's, I've never heard anything like that before. So that's kind so of uh, real. so real. Like I literally, like, I literally every night it felt like my, my teeth were falling out. I'd wake up with my hands in my mouth. I was completely drenched in sweat. Somebody told me, you know, I probably should have looked into this further, but because, you know, knowing what I know now about psychology and sports psychology, I should have been talking to somebody for sure. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, I had too much pride, you know, quote unquote yeah. to do that. Um, even though the Bruins, you know, sent me to a psychologist after a few months to see if like anything was wrong, like psychologically and like, I mean, I answered him truthfully, but I also didn't tell him all the truth. Cause I was like, well, I don't want them to like, not want me anymore, you know, whatever. Um, and, uh, somebody told me that they have a dream book, that that means that there's something standing between you and something you want to do or like your job and like something is not allowing you to do it. And I was like, wow, that is obviously what is happening right now. Like wow. worked my whole life to, to, to play in the NHL and I sign a deal and then it's like, I can't do it no matter what I can't work out. I can't not be dizzy. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a wild time. Yeah, no, I can only imagine. Um, did you find that you struggled with things like depression even before that? Um, and how has it been now kind of, you know, years later? Um, do you find that those things kind of still arise? Cause I know, just following you on Instagram, you talk a lot about, you know, mindset. And I think those things are so important. A lot of things that you say are so true. And I'm just curious if, was there always stuff that bothered you beforehand or even years, years later? Um, I would say that as a kid, super athletic, I wouldn't say that I had depression issues by any means. Um, I would say that I had a bit of social anxiety, not, not like crazy or anything, but like, you know, I grew up in St. Louis at a time where teams wouldn't even come play us. We had to we had to go out of town every single weekend because teams thought they were too good to come to our city. Um, back then, St. Louis wasn't really on the map for hockey. 
And so I was always going out of town for hockey. I didn't go to any dances until prom, you know, when I was in juniors and the season was over. Uh, you know, I didn't go to a lot of high school parties. If I did, there were very few and far between. And because of that, I didn't go to a lot of them. I was always hanging out with my hockey friends. When I would go to parties, I'd be like kind of nervous. And I didn't tell anyone this. I never told them. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell anyone. You know, I'd get really sweaty. And, and you know, now I know from, you know, the world that, that I had some social anxiety. Uh, when I'm not in situations where I'm very familiar with people, like I don't tell anyone this and no one would ever know this. No one would ever know that I have any, they would be like, yeah, right. No chance. Mm -hmm. I, I do get a little bit of social anxiety. I do get a little bit of nervous. Um, it's not bad by any means, but it, you know, it's a little bit there. I'm just like a little, feel a little uncomfortable, you know, just think I'm more like, um, in my own head, like thinking like well what are other people thinking about me like what do i look like do i fit in here like that kind of thing it's not bad by any means but it's a little bit there and i've always had that my whole life um but like i said when i'm in situations where i know people or i'm comfortable it's the complete opposite i'm the most open person i'm not embarrassed about anything so that that was always there uh i wouldn't say i have any depression issues or, or anything like that that stemmed from um the concussions but i am still taking medicine uh, 13 years later from that bad concussion. I've been on it ever since because I tried to go off of it once and it messed me up big time. I mm. felt awful. I was still playing at the time, obviously. And I've been nervous to go off the medication ever since because I don't want to feel like that again. The only mm. thing I can guess is that that's what like a drug addict feels like when they go through withdrawal. Like I could barely get out of bed. My head hurt. I was sick to my stomach. I couldn't eat. I had the sweats. As soon as I started taking the pills again, after like eight or nine days, talking to the, the, the Bruins neurologist, I was fine again in like two or three days. So, you know, that is still something that I have to do. And, and, you know, I don't want to do it uh, in the future. My goal is to get off of those pills. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I think um, going back to the social anxiety part, um, it resonates with me because I find myself to be socially anxious as well. And, but then again, like, just like you, when I'm around people that I know, I'm like, I can be like loud and, you know, Stuff like that. So I think that's kind of funny. I think talking about how you missed a lot of stuff in high school because you were, you know, sacrificing to play at the next level. I think a lot of athletes can relate to that. And a lot of people, you know, who aren't really in that world kind of don't. And I think that does play a factor. It's just a matter of, you know, kind of growing out of that. But, um, you know, as far as what you post on social media about mindset and you, know, you had a post the other day about music and how a lot of your athletes that you train listen to a lot of like depressing, you know, sort of like rap music and things of that nature and how the, the music that you take in your surroundings have a major effect on kind of not so much the outcome and how your life can go, but kind of your mindset and the energy that you can bring to each and every day. And um, you talk a lot about that. And I want you to just kind of elaborate because, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I, I listen to some pretty depressing music at times and it can find, find myself spiraling and um, I think that kind of resonated with me when you mentioned that. And um, I think it's an important piece to talk about. Well, I look at it like um, it's an input. Everything that you think about, everything that you look at, all of the information you take in, who you listen to, who you look up to, who you follow on social media, the music you listen to, the TV shows you watch, that is all shaping you as a person. It's the same thing. I mean, there's a saying, I'm sure you've heard it you are the five people you hang around with most. Yep. It's the same thing with every other media uh, uh, that you take in. So if you're listening to super depressing music all the time, you're going to be depressed. 
if and that's not saying that listening to happy music takes away depression mm-hmm. by no means it's more of like your state of mind currently mm-hmm. and um you know like i went through uh i went through a, a, a divorce a few years ago uh when my career ended and um i was listening to like a lot of depressing music because you know i was going through something hard and the more i listened to it the more down i was the more mm-hmm. bleak my situation looked and it's like you know, and it just made me think about, and I've been saying this to the kids I train for, for years. Like I'll, I'll use juice world as an example. And I'm not trying to, to shit on juice world, you know, rest in peace. He has great music. He's got melodic music, but if you listen to the words in his song, he's constantly talking about suicide. He's constantly talking about drugs. He's constantly talking about being so messed up. He like, doesn't even know where he is and being in a fog and being blurry. And the, 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 the cadence of the music is subdued and it's down and it's like down here. And if you're constantly listening to that stuff, you're going to feel that way. And it's the same thing with like, why do people put on, you know, ACDC when they're working out? Because it brings them up the guitar, the the melody, like we react to the music. I mean, uh, the same thing is true with like, you know, I don't want to get into politics, but look at the people who watch the news all day long during COVID. They're scared of COVID. They're terrified of it. The people who listen to people who know what they're talking about and, and fitness, you know, doctors who are into fitness and, and holistic health and wellness, they're like, keep your immune system healthy, mm-hmm. go get active, get outside. But the people who watch TV and are just being led by the fear mongers, they're scared out of their mind. I would be too. I was in the beginning when I was watching all that stuff. And then you dig deeper and you learn about all these things and, you know, you can build up your own immunity. And if you take vitamin D all the time, your odds of having any kind of poor reaction or even contracting um, um, COVID go extremely down. Mm-hmm. So again, like listening to that media or it changes your mindset. It changes how you think it changes how you live. So everything you take in, affects your mindset, your day-to-day. Not saying that it will make you not depressed or will make you depressed, but your daily mindset is affected by all of these things we're taking in. So you have to be mindful of who you follow on social media, who your friends are, what music you listen to, what TV shows you watch. All of that stuff plays a role in your mental health. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And question I want to pick your brain about is we live in an a society now where things are moving so quick and we take in so much media throughout the day. I mean, everyone's glued to their phones. I mean, everywhere you look, the news is on and it's a lot of it is very negative. Um, And we just had a sports psychologist on. He talked about how 70% of our thoughts on a day-to-day basis are negative. Um, And on top of that, we have negative media that's constantly streaming in front of us. So my question to you is as someone who's played in, you know, the earlier generation of hockey kind of noticing the shift now training younger athletes. Do you find that, you know, with the rise in mental health issues, are players talking about it more and being more comfortable to talk about it? Or do you think there actually is a rise in, you know, mental health issues? And would you agree that the media that we take in has a, has a lot to do with it with how negative it is? Yeah, it's a, I mean, that's a tough question. I'm not a researcher, so, like, I don't know. I, I try not to speak on things I don't know about. Mm-hmm. That would be a question for a researcher. My grandpa and I were talking about this this weekend. I finally got to see him after a year, almost two years. You know, I got to see him two Christmases ago or a year and a half, whatever it's been. And we were talking about this. We talk about this topic quite a bit. And he said back in his day, people – you never heard people say that they had anxiety. You never heard people say that they had mental health issues and all that stuff. 
And he said, we said we were worried, but we never had never said that stuff. And I was like, well, that could be verbiage or it could be the, the rise of technology, you know, the rise of technology and social media and, you know, the haves and the have nots. Now everybody sees it. So that makes you depressed or whatever, you know, like who, who knows with, with, with the actual numbers, uh, definitely more people are speaking about it, which brings light to it. But then maybe more people are like, well, maybe that's me. Maybe I'm depressed. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that like Robin Lehner said this, the goalie in the NHL, he's like, yeah, we're talking more about it, but what are we doing? Like talking is great, but is that doing anything? You know, bell let's talk that hashtag that raises a bunch of money for mental health research, awareness, et cetera. It's great. But if everyone just tweets on that day and then no one does anything else, did we really accomplish anything other than funding research, which is great, but like the people who have it or, or the people trying to help, is that really actually helping? There needs to be more talk about what to do if you're feeling X, if you're feeling Y, if you're feeling Z. You know, people need to be talking about, hey, the media and the, and the things that you take in affects your daily mindset. You know, like it's not might not change the chemicals in your brain, but it can affect your daily mindset. You know, so like I think more people need to learn the actions needed to be taken when you feel anxious, mm-hmm. when you feel shortness of breath when you feel a panic attack when you feel down when you feel suicidal what's the next step and have that stuff be out there and have more people talking about if you feel this do this this person can help i think that needs to be more where it needs to go no definitely i think a lot of it too is a lot of simple stuff too i think getting into routine i don't know if it's a very big fix i think people have to find what works for them i think you know being able to shut off the outside world for a bit and kind of find what's wrong with you and, and what works for you. I think for me, it's structure and eating properly and, and getting little things like eight hours of sleep. I think those and getting in the weight room at a consistent basis. I think it's very simple things that have major effects on mental health. And I wasn't really so much asking about numbers. I was just saying, if you felt like, you know, the locker room, if guys were as comfortable, because, you know, I've been on teams where I felt super comfortable talking about this stuff openly. And, you know, I think from me being comfortable talking about, it, I've gotten, a lot of my buddies to kind of open up and we just find kind of, I guess, comfort in knowing that like, Hey, like we're not the only one going through something, you know, in our heads and having some dark thoughts. And I was just curious if you felt that, um, was it kind of just ta- like how, you know, super taboo to talk about in the room and kind of things of that nature. I wouldn't say by any means it was taboo to talk about in the room at all. No one really talked about that stuff in the beginning of my career out, like just in the locker room, but like, guys who trusted other guys when you're on when you're a good teammate guys want to talk to you when you're a leader like I was a captain on almost every team I played on in in real hockey you know juniors and up to pro uh so people I don't know I guess when you're a good leader people want to confide in you they want to talk to you they want to ask you for advice stuff like that um so people would talk to me about that stuff and and, uh but it's not like guys are just in the room like being like man I'm depressed today you know like I don't think it's out in the open or anything like that um, but, but guys definitely talk, um, you know, I'm having a bad day. I feel like shit, you know, I'm in a fight with my wife, you know, my kids are driving me crazy. I haven't slept. I got anxiety because, you know, my contract year is coming up. Like guys are definitely talking more about that stuff. There's no doubt about it. And the more guys talk about how important speaking to a psychologist or a sports psychologist, because especially in the higher level of sports, like there's a lot of anxiety that, that you get from that job. It's a very performance-paced job if you don't perform you don't get paid 
And if you've got a wife or if you've got a wife and kids, you got family depending on you, you got bills, things like that. Like, and you're not playing well, you can get anxiety from that. There's no doubt. Just like, you know, a high level CEO or a high level, whatever, that's got a quota they got to meet. There is anxiety that comes with that. Um, that's just part of the society we live in. So guys are definitely talking about it more, but luckily like sports psychologists and psychologists, I think that that's been way more quote unquote normalized, which is, uh, which is huge. My girlfriend who's like a pretty uh, big social media influencer. She's constantly talking about, you know, going to see a therapist once or twice a week to help her work through her own, you know, way that she thinks or anxiety or stuff like that. And I think more people that have a following that do that stuff, the more normalized it gets. Mm -hmm. And you said that you saw a psychologist when you were at the Bruins organization, correct? Yeah. They had me go and talk to one once. And I talked to sports psychologists more of like in a non-official capacity, more like to mm -hmm. pick their brain for performance. Okay. Um, just what can I do to perform better? How can I think to perform better? How can I maximize my mental game, which will maximize my performance on the ice? So I, I did it more for that, that reason. You found it made a big difference for you. Oh my God, man. Like I got, so, um, my second year juniors, I had a teammate pretty much die in my hands in a car accident when I was 18 years old. And, uh, you know, that, that was, that was a very tough time for me. It was something I saw every night for probably like the first year afterwards. And, uh, they brought in a, a sports psychologist. He was, I'm sure he was a psychologist first, um, to talk to all the guys who were, who were at the accident. And, uh, he gave me a CD. This is how old I am. We had CDs and discmans back then, uh, listening in the locker room mm -hmm. and I was having trouble sleeping. So he had like eight tracks on the CD and the last track was to help you sleep and breathing and stuff like that. That's where I learned the power of breathing and how it can bring anxiety down and calm you down in times of stress and also times of um, physical stress where you're on the ice and you come off the bench and you got to learn how to breathe correctly and your diaphragm and how that can bring your heart rate down, which makes you a better player your next shift and so on. Um, but also on the CD was like getting in the zone, how to get into the zone, peak performance, you know, visualization, all these tracks. I'd never heard anything about them. This was in 2002 or 2003, 2003, probably. And that got me into, I started listening to that CD before every single game. No one was talking about sports psychology back then, especially in the juniors and college ranks. And that got me into sports psychology and learning that, oh man, if I start to do these things before the game even starts, before practice even starts, I'm a way better hockey player. So that immediately set me on, you know, my journey of constantly uh, working on self-improvement, self-growth. Where can I take any little bit of information from people in different fields, nutrition, sleep, psychology, sports psychology, training, yada, yada, yada. I want to pull everything from everyone I can and put it together to make me the best me I can. Mm -hmm. And that sports psychology CD changed my life, changed my career. I don't think I would have played uh, college hockey or, or professional hockey without that CD. It was that important to me. And that's why I constantly preach it to my guys. Yeah. I think uh, what you talked about, you know, the best nutritionist, the best sports psychologist, best, you know, athletic trainer. I think it's, it's everything. It's a full package. There's no one thing that's going to all of a sudden click, wake up and, and you're completely fine or um, everything's working. I think it's got to be coming from every different angle. Um, I'm happy that you brought up breathing. It's something that we've talked about here before, but not super in depth. So I kind of want to, if you can just kind of, you know, drop some knowledge for us on, you know, the breathing side of things and how important that is and um, you know, what you know about that. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there, you have a, a parasympathetic, um, 
system and a sympathetic system. So the paras, the, the sympathetic is your fight or flight. All right. So that's, you know, you're about to play a game, you're playing a game, you're in a fight, you're about to take a test. That's where, you know, maybe your palms get sweaty, your heart rate elevates, like you're getting ready to be active, to perform, to do something intense, something probably stressful. And that's great when you're working out and you're playing, taking tests, running away from a mugger, whatever. But as soon as you're not doing those things, you want to get back into a parasympathetic state, which is also called rest and digest. And the easiest way to get out of a sympathetic and into a parasympathetic rest and digest is controlling your breathing. There's multiple ways to do this. Diaphragmatic breathing is extremely easy to do. Um, if anybody watches my Instagram, this is what I have my guys do after every single training session, um, especially in the off season. You know, the sooner you can get your body out of that sympathetic fight or flight and into a parasympathetic down regulating, it's called the, the more benefits you have for your recovery, you recover easier, you recover more efficient, you recover more effective. So the more you recover, the more you can train the next day or the next week or whatever it is, the better you play the next day because you recovered more. You filled that gas tank back up to completely full versus filling that gas tank only back up to 70%. Um, and pair, uh, um, diaphragmatic breathing, you want to pretend that there's a balloon in your stomach, basically. You want to breathe downwards into your belly, filling your stomach in a 360 degree radius. So like an easy way to try this, if you've never done it, is lay on your back. Lay on your back, stay nice and calm, breathe in your nose, not your mouth, breathe in your nose. We're supposed to inhale in the nose, not the mouth. Mouth breather is a negative term for a reason. So breathe in the nose, like you're breathing into the bottom of a straw. As you breathe, that air should be pushing down towards your stomach. And while you're laying on your back, you should feel that balloon expand upwards, sideways, laterally, and your back should be pushing into the ground because you're filling that balloon all the way around 360 degrees. And then a nice, slow exhale out of the mouth. Big, slow inhale, forcing that air down into the belly. Exhale out of the mouth. You will immediately feel calmer. If you have anxiety, you have a panic attack. Breathing is the cheapest, quickest way to try and get yourself out of it. Slow, deep breathing. There's something called box breathing where you would breathe in and you know the better you get at it, the longer you can do. It would be like inhale three seconds up, hold at the top three seconds exhale down three seconds, hold three seconds back to the start. And you keep doing that in three, pause three, exhale three, hold three, inhale three around a square um, box. I don't know if that's called a parallelogram. It's been a minute since I was in high school math, but all sides are even. You could do it for four seconds. If you're not good with breathing and maybe you're overweight, you might only be able to do two seconds each way, but working your way up to that, it will help you to relax very quickly. Do you do strict? I can't remember if I've seen this on your Instagram. Do you do strictly nasal breathing with your athletes as well? So there's times where I'll either tape their mouth shut with duct tape, or I'll be like, you know, we're riding the bike, and I'm like, you cannot breathe out of your mouth. Focus on only nasal breathing. There's tons of benefits for it. It's also healthier. It also helps you with COVID because your nose is like a, a natural air filter. Um, so like, you know, it's supposed to help you with that as well for the people mm -hmm. scared of that. Too. Yeah. Exactly. I think, um, you know, like bring up COVID and such like a anxiety ridden time, especially for athletes. I mean, a lot of guys without jobs right now. And I think um, there's a ton of holistic approaches that should be talked about more and need to be taken in order for, you know, people to, to stay healthy and mitigate the, you know, the mental health effects. And I think kind of going back to the mental health side of things, I think it's important to talk about how, you know, 
it's okay to kind of go through bouts of depression and anxiety and it's okay if you don't have it you know your whole life or you've never had it and it's all of a sudden creeping up on you I think normalizing talking about that because I think it's it's when it's new to people it's scary when they get into those holes um, and when they get you know the panic attacks and they've never experienced it before and I think it's important to kind of just understand that you don't have to deal with it on a day-to-day basis but it, it can arise and I think unfortunately it's arise you know arose for a lot of players um, you know this season with not having spots to play and seasons getting canceled and teams getting canceled I think um, you know it, it's tough it's a tough time right now for you know athletes and hockey players yeah 100 percent and you know that's that's another thing that I learned about like controlling my emotions controlling anxiety like I tell the guys like everyone's going to worry. Everyone's going to be like, what team am I going to make and all that stuff. But once you learn, once you truly realize that you can only control what you can control, you can't control if a coach likes you, you can't control like without knowing you just seeing you in tryouts. You can't control what the team is looking for. If the team's already picked and then we have one forward spot, but you're a defenseman, you can't control that. You didn't make that team. They're not looking for you. You can only control what you control, be in shape, sleep well, nutrition, you know, work with a skills coach, work with a mental coach, work with a video coach, like whatever you need to do, control what you can control because worrying is like a rocking chair, gives you something to do, but it literally gets you nowhere. It, you do not move forward, backward, side to side. You get nowhere. You're just wasting energy. So the sooner you can like learn that and then focus on, I'm going to control my life. I'm going to control my habits. That is all I can control in this world. The sooner that you lose some of that anxiety and kind of those like, crippling like worrying thoughts like i'm just going to be the best me that's all i can do and then the chips will fall where they may mm-hmm. yeah it's uh control you can control is important i for me i've always struggled with that um especially like kind of being on the side of like you know the other side of hockey where it's over now and um it's tough and i think a lot of players have been in that same position i guess you know for the players out there what you know advice that you could give them with kind of that and just making the transition from, you know, being an athlete and playing and being involved to um, the next phase of life. Um, I think it's, it's hard for a lot of players and there's someone who went through it, just some advice that you could give, give them. Yeah, for me. And like, I even advise this to my guys on NHL deals to my guys in the NHL, to my guys in the KHL, like as a professional athlete or a a collegiate athlete or, or a junior athlete, where if you're only taking one college course or you're barely working or you're not working, you're just playing hockey. Like you could always be doing things that can make you a better you, which we've had guys on uh, um, the NHL, uh, the guy who works for the NHL that does this with players, helps them find what else they like outside the game. They have done studies already that, you know, pick up, you want to learn the guitar. You do that. They've shown it makes you a better hockey player in the NHL by picking up the guitar or learning about finance or about this in your downtime, because it starts to light up other centers of your brain, which will make you a better hockey player, make you a better, more fulfilled person, happier person, all things like that. Going back to control what you can control, you know, like, like I said, I started my off ice training company after my third year pro. And I started off very lightly. I only had two clients. I didn't work a lot. Like I didn't do a whole lot. I worked out for three, you know, I'd train for three hours in the morning and have the rest of my day. So I, you know, I have two guys I would train in an hour and a half sessions each. I actually did two hours back then with them because I was just so thorough and so intense. Um, but it wasn't a lot. It wasn't hard. It wasn't a big energy expenditure. But year after year, I was slowly setting myself up for that transition. 
So like I said, I advise my NHL guys to do this. Use social media, you know, put out what you like. If you're into finance, you know, be posting on social media about finance and somebody who's in the financial world could see it and be like, Hey, so-and-so you're on the junior team here. I see that. Like you want to come shadow me for it. You never know what that could happen. Or you reach out to them. Hey, you know, I play for this junior team or this college team or this pro team. I would love to come and see what your business is about for a day. Like so many businesses go after X, X college athletes, X junior athletes, X elite athletes, X pro athletes, because they know they're, they're um, determined individuals. They know how to sacrifice. They know how to be a team player. All of these reasons. So you have a leg up on everyone else if you played juniors or above. Now you just got to find out what you like outside of hockey. And while you're playing, start to learn about it. You know, you don't got to turn into a business right away. Start reading some books. Ask to shadow somebody you know in that field. You know, post about it on social media once a week. Like these are all things you can be doing so that your transition is much easier whenever your last game is. Yeah, I think that's super important. I mean, for me last year, I was going through such a hard time. I, I didn't have anything like an, an exterior outlet. So, and I was my first year pro and I was like coming from college where you have no time to do anything to pro where you have all the time in the world. So it was just like struggling with coming home from the rink and sitting on the couch and playing Xbox. And I was trying to find ways to be productive. And I just, I don't know, I was kind of holding on to something. And I was just putting me in, an even worse spot. I think I can't, um, you know, agree with you more in, in that aspect of athletes finding other things and, you know, to keep themselves just busy at, at the same time. And like you said, it helps you as a player. You said, like you said about the guitar and how they're noticing that it lights up other sides of your brain. I think that's so important. Yeah. You know, there, there's no, sh I think when I was playing, like when I first started, I was like, no, everything has to be hockey. I yeah. focus on hockey all the time or else mm -hmm. I'm wasting time and I'm not getting as good. Yeah. That's not the truth. It's like, it's like, uh, you know, I, I put something on my Instagram today talking about all these people that do all these like 75 hard or eight week challenge or whatever. And yeah. they go a million miles an hour. And then what happens? <clears throat> they, they die, they crash because they went too hard and it's not sustainable. It's the same thing with when you're playing hockey or other sports or you're in work, like you got to find other outlets. Like you said, um, you got to find other things that interest you so that then you're excited to go back and think about hockey. Mm -hmm. You know, you did this for an hour now, Oh, there's hockey on tonight. Now I'm excited. Instead of just thinking about hockey all day, playing Xbox hockey, talking hockey, you know, this, that watching video. And then that like, it won't be as exciting. It's the same thing with when you take time off in the summer, these kids now, they think they got to be on the ice 12, 13 months a year. It's like impossible. Like if you take some time off, whether it's a month, a couple of weeks, now you're excited to get back into the rink again, you know, versus just like, oh, I've been skating four days a week all summer and now the season's starting. I never got a break. You know, like it will help you so much to find other things that you like doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What What's your um, approach to the younger players now, you know, being on the coaching side of things, um, kind of some of the main things that you really harp on um, just on, on the off-ice perspective? Well, I mean, it's – Exactly what I said, you know, find other outlets, find other things you're passionate about, find other things you like. Um, and if there's things that, you know, like if it's, you know, you, you play, you're into lacrosse, like lacrosse will make you a better hockey player. So even though you're not playing hockey, you're not thinking about hockey, playing lacrosse will make you a better hockey player. It works on vision, balance, proprioception, passing, all these things, your hands, basketball, same thing, you know, find another sport. 
find, you know, start reading about the body, start reading about nutrition, like nutrition isn't hockey, but it will make you better at hockey, even though it's not really the same thing. You can start to learn about things like that, that will make you a better hockey player because you're taking better care of yourself. No, that's awesome. I, I couldn't agree more. And um, for those listening, if they wanted to follow your social media and um, follow the stuff that you got going on over there, if you can just plug that in for everyone. Yeah, I just use Instagram a lot. I try and put out a ton of free stuff. I always put out free training videos, stuff I'm doing with the guys, you know, for the general population, stuff that'll help you as somebody who's just trying to be fit and healthy and strong and whatever, injury resistant. And my Instagram and Twitter is just my name, at Jeff Lavecchio, the word love, and then C-C-H-I-O. And our podcast is called uh, the Hockey Think Tank Podcast. Awesome. Yeah, no, thanks so much. And um if you had just one piece of advice for someone who went through the same thing that you did with your concussions and um, dealing with, you know, depression, what would that one thing be? Number one, and this is so massively important. Don't go see a normal doctor. Don't see your team doctor. Go see a concussion specialist. I wasted months by seeing the best neurologists in Boston that the Bruins had me sending me to. As soon as I went to Mickey Collins, the concussion specialist um, at university of Pittsburgh medical clinic, as soon as I went to see them, uh, it didn't happen until December or January. <clears throat> My concussion happened in June, I believe. Within a week, I was slowly starting to work out again. I hadn't worked out from June until I think it was January, maybe end of December. I hadn't worked out. Couldn't. Tried over and over. Couldn't do it. Soon as I saw them, I learned so much, so many of these little tiny tricks of things I could be doing that immediately helped me. I was back on the ice after I saw them in like two and a half to three months after sitting around on the shelf from June to end of December. So like seeing a concussion specialist is so important. Normal doctors, primary healthcare physicians, your family doctor for young players, young parents, if they're listening, they don't know shit about concussions. They don't. Even if they say they do, they don't, right? Go see a concussion specialist. And, and if you're having these problems, don't hide them hiding them and going through, you know, feeling dizzy when you're working out or whatever, like see a concussion specialist immediately. Do not hide it from people. Tell them right away, A, because they'll fix you sooner. And B, it could be very dangerous if you're playing through concussions. That's not a knee. It's not a shoulder. It's not a finger. It's not a toe. Like it's your brain. You only get one. You have to take care of it. What were some of those things that you found quickly helped you recover? Like simple things for me, because I had a bunch of vestibular issues with my concussion. I had a bunch of neck problems. Um, I started getting into neck strengthening, which was very important to me. Uh, I learned that when I was riding the bike, when I was trying to come back or doing treadmill work when, before I saw them, I was looking around the gym while I was doing it. And because I had vestibular issues, which is your balance, how your ears and eyes talk to each other, your body knows where it is in space and time. That was affecting my heart rate, affecting my brain, all these things going on at once. I'd get super dizzy. They had me just walk on the treadmill or ride the bike and just focus straight forward. And immediately I could ride the bike for longer. I could ride the bike better. And every week it started going up and up and up. Another thing that helped me and everyone is individual. So, you know, I hate doing this, but like it has helped other guys that I've talked to. Um, instead of trying to do like cardio, right. When I came back, I started to do lifts, very simple. Like I'm an animal in the gym. I was doing like hilarious. Like I was barbell benching the bar only. But laying down flat, my head wasn't moving. I wasn't looking around. I could control my breathing. I could go nice and slow. Your heart rate gets up, but at a very steady rate. You know what I mean? Instead of doing pull-ups, I started doing very slow lat pull-downs. Now I'm growing my muscles. I'm getting some strength working, even though the weights were like nothing. And you can control your heart rate a little bit easier. 
So you can start to build some momentum, build some confidence, feel better about, about yourself by lifting in a way where you're not moving at all. If you're having trouble trying to start off with cardio, that helped me a lot. And I use that over the next, you know, eight concussions that I got over the course of my career to come back from all of those as well. Awesome. No, that's awesome stuff. And, um, you know, we think it's going to help a lot of people who are listening and gone through the same thing and um, are going to be going through the same thing. So I think the concussion stuff is super important. And um, I think those are some tools that a lot of players should start utilizing right away. So um, we appreciate your time and thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you, man. Another thing I'll say too, and this is something I have all my guys do strengthen your neck because a lot of concussions also come with whiplash and also whiplash mimics concussion symptoms. And I had that along with my concussion. I went to the board full speed. Um, so I had neck problems and, you know, concussion, post-concussion syndrome. Um, so neck strengthening is very important. I put a video on my Instagram, like probably a year or two ago, um, but, but multiple people, you know, tons of people will message me and ask for it and I'll send it to them. And it's just isometric neck strengthening. The other thing you can do is something called iron neck. Uh, it's on Joe Rogan talks about it all the time. Tons of MMA fighters use it. Football players use it. Uh, I have a deal with them. If you go to ironneck.com and you buy it, my code is GMBM. And I, I don't know if it's 10% or 20%, but it'll save you a bunch of money on it. Cause they're like $500. It is unbelievable. There's nothing out there that will strengthen your neck or your neck more efficiently and more effectively than the iron neck. So if you want to, you know, look that up, um, my code with them is GMBM and it'll at least save you some money to strengthen your neck, which will protect your brain. Awesome. You'll have to put that in the notes here. Uh, we release the podcast so perfect but thank awesome. you so much yeah thanks so much we really appreciate it. it was awesome talking to you and having you tell your story really appreciate it thank you absolutely brother thanks for having me on